0: Hey everybody, welcome to Open Mike with me, Mike Creed. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Taylor Finney. Uh, don't really need an introduction for young Taylor. Uh, <clears throat> Olympian, uh, world's medalist, uh, under-23 world champion, junior world champion. Probably a safe bet to say he's going to win a senior world title somewhere down the line here. Um, as always podcast is brought to you by Cardo Cyclist. I have a really good relationship with CardoCyclist. Uh, they're enjoying the podcast. They enjoy the feedback. So if you guys don't mind keeping that up, it really helps. Um, I mean, it doesn't help the quality of the podcast, but it helps me. So that's what I appreciate. It's you guys helping me. You know, I give you guys so much, so much audio, glorious, beautiful audio. This is, you know, just, this is your way of giving back to me, and I'm I, I can't tell you how much guy, money I'm making, guys. But uh, I'm I've bought another yacht. That's right, another yacht. I have two yachts now. Um, right. That ramble aside, uh, building this team, uh, smart stop, and trying to get into tour of California, and yeah, I mean. Stressful and fun at the same time, you know, like if the team doesn't get into Tor California, it's not the end of the world, but obviously it would be a lot of fun if the team got into tour of California and i I would consider it a huge personal accomplishment. I mean, I think it's kind of out of my hands at this point, but uh ah, we'll see um anyway, I guess that's pretty much all I have to bother you guys with. If you guys don't mind, you know, again, thanking Taylor for doing the uh, the podcast on Twitter, and thanking Cardio Cyclist, and you know, uh, I appreciate all the positive feedback, and you guys really are um, the greatest for doing this. Thanks.
1: You look pissed, Ben. Believe me, you got every right to be.
0: But hey, will you, will you just let me explain? This is television, that's all it is. Uh, it's nothing to do with people, it's to do with the ratings. For 50 years, we've told them what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. For Christ's sake, Ben, don't you understand? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. Listen, they love game shows, they love wrestling. They love sports and violence. So what do we do? We give them what they want! We're number one, Ben. That's all that counts. Believe me, I've been in the business 30 years. Well, I haven't been in show business as long as you have, Killian. But I'm a quick learner. So I'm going to give the audience what I think they want. You bastard! Drop dead! I don't do requests.
1: Red Bruce. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you t- yeah, uh, you're finding a good way to mix both class and frat. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh shit. Bitch. <clears throat> Cheers. Cheers, Jake. dude. So, tell me how the season.
1: Uh- Fuck, it's past 12. I mean, wait, are we recording? Am I allowed to swear? You're <laughs> allowed to swear on Sundays. things. <laughs>
0: I think like the only time I've really edited one was one with Phil
1: Gaiman when he is it Gaiman or Gaiman? Or not do matter. does matter. Do we'll, we'll forget him. about him. We'll,
0: we'll forget about him. And call him Clean Tattoo. That's <laughs> that's a dedicated. Uh, I appreciate where the heads at. Have a, yeah, I appreciate that. Sure, but yeah, that's all right. It's like you want to say that you have a tattoo and you don't want to regret it, so then I guess <laughs> you do this thing that.
1: So you get Fight Club soap with a weird cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, fuck.
0: That's
1: cool. He'll be in the pro tour next okay. year. I'm sure, we'll hang out. Probably
0: not. <laughs> no, Gavin is. He spent like the first ten minutes. Like motherfucking team, his like the current team he was on, and Ryder's on it, and you this. And I told him like, "Hey man, I don't mind editing these, but know that I'm not very good at it. And eventually, <laughs> if you make me do it a lot, I'm just gonna stop." <laughs> and he's like, "No, it's fine, whatever." Boom, boom, just continues. And then, sure enough you know <laughs> now the, the beer the beer and whiskey wears off and you get a text the next day like, hey man hey man you oh, know when was motherfucking those
1: guys do you mind taking that out yeah probably for the best I'm pretty PG so I'm not worried about it you spend
0: like your whole career has almost been social media yeah like you cause like for you know like I'm not a lot older than you but I'm old enough to know like wouldn't have a like racing when social media wasn't a part of it and now like you just grew up with it
1: yeah i've been media trained since i was like 16 and a half years old so do your parents
0: like keep you were your parents like influential on that at all or
1: uh not really i mean the going to the olympics at uh, just having turned 18 and having to deal with all that well um, oh, that mask thing the, well no no, no. well oh, that I didn't oh. have to do that Freed, that was Friedman
0: <laughs> oh okay but I think, um, what I mean by that is you saw it up close
1: yeah but you get like the whole year before that you have like this whirlwind of media and we'd have like media days where like the Today Show and like you know ABC Nightly News shit like that would like come out and want to talk with me and you know I was 17 years old I was like senior in high school sure um I was pretty good with the like with cameras and stuff, but for sure there were a couple times when I was just like freaked out at the size of the camera. that I was looking at <laughs> it was the size
0: of the camera that got you.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's, I remember distinctly this one it's like some ESPN um, like technology uh, special they were doing where these two guys showed up and they just had the biggest camera I'd ever seen, and just they wanted me to like say. Like, talk about things but say them in a way that like for some reason like in my mind I couldn't get it I couldn't like get it out sure so that was sort of the one and only time where I just fully failed an interview but do you remember what that, the idea for
0: the camera was like do you remember like was it some special
1: effect they were doing or no it was just like massive I felt like it, they you know it looked like you know something they would use like you know, on a stand that a guy would have, like a trap, like the two sure. the two he was hands holding it, it. <laughs> but he's carrying it on his shoulder. It's just massive. And I was supposed to explain like what my shoe covers did, um, and I just couldn't get it out because I was and I had to look like straight in the camera, and I was just, you know, wasn't really a news anchor at that age. But what I'm was that like? because like,
0: you'd only been racing maybe full time <clears throat> for what, like a year and a half, or not even?
1: Yeah, well, I was go still going to, going to high race? school. Um, getting ready for the Olympics. Granted, I only had two classes a day right. uh, in my second semester of high school because I actually cause I had a full schedule like my first two or my first three years, and so then I had you know just didn't it really need to do much already. yeah to yes. to scrape by. And then Boulder High was pretty good about me, you know, trying to qualify for, for the Olympics and all that. Is it weird,
0: though, to go to the Olympics and, then come back in your high school? Just like, well, no, because, I gra-
1: like, I graduated. I didn't even go to my graduation. Um, and I finished uh, school... I finished school early in, like, May of 2008. And then mm-hmm. went to... I had to... did this. We did this whirlwind trip. Where we went to Cape Town for Junior Worlds. And then France to prepare for the Olympics. And then from France to the Olympics. So... I turned 18 somewhere in the middle of that in sure. June, and then, uh, went to the Olympics. By the time I was back, I didn't have to go to school anymore. I was graduated. So kind of just lived the bike rider life from then on.
0: Sure. Was your, uh, was that a big, uh, when you like get into it and you start traveling and everything, and then obviously with your parents history, you come back. To high school, where it's like the first thing you want to do is go back on another trip, Were you like instantly like oh, this is what I want to do.
1: Um, I was pretty bitter about the Olympics actually when I came back. I kind of um, well, I um, was bitter about it for a couple of reasons. Uh, one being that I had this high school girlfriend who was great, but um, when I was in the Olympic Village, I like fell in love with a. Olympic gymnast sure and um, as a,
0: I mean, that's pretty
1: normal. kind of that sort of fire started to um, get out of hand and uh, so I came back and I was like kind of ashamed with myself and I had to break up with my girlfriend and then um, at the same time like when I was in the Olympic village, I was so distracted the whole time that I didn't really race as well as I wanted as I wanted to.
0: Yeah, but that's like just
1: youth. It's a lot to ask, yeah, for an eighteen year old. I mean, you get to the Olympic Village, it's like going to college. You know, everybody's in dorms, and there's just like a massive amount of hormones everywhere.
0: Sure. Well, not (laughs) not to like diminish how much hard work you're doing, but also, I I think at that time you're running off so much just pure talent. Like, bike racing to a certain extent was,
1: yeah, faced
0: a lot of opposition at that point.
1: No, I mean, I wasn't really going, like, thinking that I, um, I mean, it's more about a process to get there, because it was yeah. so hard to get there, um, and it was a whole year's work to get there, and yeah, I wasn't, um, you know, I was kind of just doing it all off, like, winging it, and, yeah. and, um... It's like and, a magic trick, at <laughs> And I made it, and so it's more of, like, that I made it, and I was kind of one of those Olympians that, like, makes it, and is super stoked to be there and then you know just races or whatever but once I raced I was like you know that's not me I'm not the kind of person who goes to the Olympics just to be at the Olympics and granted I'm happy now that that happened when I was so young and when it when I didn't have like the best shot at meddling because You know, I learned like going into 2012, I was like so much more focused and I was like, I'm not going to make the same mistakes as last time. And so it's, you know, I could imagine like going to your first Olympics is an interesting experience um, because you come from such a protected like um, structure where you have all these people around you helping you. And then you go to the Olympics, you go to the village, and this is why so many athletes stay outside the village is because village is like there's like six people per um you know like apartment that you have it's allowed there are shitty buildings um you know thin walls a hurry. Yeah. there's like just a massive food hall with like a mcdonald's and like any kind of food you want um and it's just like you you come like in so you try to come in really regimented and then you get there and you're like you know, it's kind of like you forget everything, all these rules that you had. Yeah. And um, so I'm glad I went through that to come into the next one. But the, the Olympics, one. did you
0: guys stay outside the village?
1: Or? We stayed outside most of the time and then we had to go in for like 48 hours beforehand. Um, for Before testing or something? No, just to get to the course because the traffic, it was so difficult to get there. And then they had buses that were like, um you know in closed roads to get to the start and at the start we had to leave like 6:45 in the morning or something so um yeah <laughs> it's interesting man it's like it's it's not what you not really what you expect from the outside you think of the, the Olympics as like the pinnacle of right. all sports and like the most serious athletes but what you have to realize is that you know 15 percent of the olympic athletes are vying for medals and then the rest of the 85 percent are like just super stoked to be there yeah and they made it there and so and there's not a professional
0: life for them in that sport afterwards like this is it
1: this is like it so they're gonna milk it and you know they're gonna meet as many people as they can they're gonna yeah you know that's why you always hear about all these like you know Olympic parties and sex stories and stuff like that. Sure, sure. But, because you get there and everybody's tapered into the event. So, like, as an, athlete, so scientifically, <laughs> yeah. as an athlete, scientifically, you taper into any event and your testosterone goes up. So, you just got, like, all the most beautiful, um, most talented athletes on the planet. Shot putters? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're not all beautiful, but um, they're all you can't all be They're all very hormonal.
0: You're just constantly hanging around the
1: track and field looking <laughs> for shot photos to come in. Hey, go. What's up? You put your name to Old <laughs> <laughs> You want to sit on me, go? <laughs> so,
0: you got two fours at the uh, London Olympics. Like, how do you feel about that now, a couple years removed? Uh, I feel pretty good about it. Um, at the time, was it just like, fuck, really? Two fours?
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of knew, like, going, like, I was really pretty, I was disappointed but stoked with the road race, because um, I'd prepared mostly for the time trial, you know, mm-hmm. and then the road race happened, and it was a really, um, like, cool race, really aggressive race, which nobody could see on TV, because they, like, screwed up the TV coverage, kind of, like. From what I heard, yeah, it just looked like they were
0: just doing a build a
1: break up there every time a car yeah. would come and
0: just like three or four more guys would jump across, three
1: or four yeah, more guys would jump across. But I mean, we were attacking with like 130k to go, and like just everybody was attacking every single lap. Do you
0: think it was due to the smaller teams?
1: Um, could have been, yeah. I mean, everybody knew that like the Brits were going to try to control it, and the Germans were going to try to control it, but they weren't really working very well together, and um, so everybody else was basically like well in a way everyone was kind of racing against Cav you know because he was sort of the sure thing if it came down to a sprint Um, but yeah it was just interesting we had like these massive front groups I got dropped from the front group the last two laps each lap made it back and um, just a really interesting dynamic the way the whole race played out I mean I think yeah it definitely had to do with the smaller teams but it also has to do with you know national teams and you get all these riders that only have like two two riders per team, one rider per team right. it's a smaller group there's 140 riders but 40 of those riders are like from you know, random countries yeah. that Beach, yeah. you've never heard of and so they're kind of out like in the first couple laps so it's a small, really smaller field and, and, and not as difficult to like move up and move around the pack so it's more about kind of strength and going on the climb and no, nah. so I was I like disappointed. Brits, but yeah.
0: I feel like if the Brits would have just not tried to control it so early, they just like covered and killed and just kind of let the race go for a
1: while and then tried to. When they just start riding tempo 40k and yeah, well they they let way too big of a group go in the beginning because there were like 11 guys in the breakaway yeah. that they let go, um, and then uh, and then the breakaway just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger each lap and it's like. You know, it just wasn't possible. You do it's kind of, but you know whatever. What's your
0: headline like when you so the nook are off and you the attack with like two k. But before then, you realize like at what point you're like, holy shit, this
1: is this is gonna make it. This is going to the line. Well, honestly, I was fucked. I was like, I was cramping the last lap, and I had to take a shit. <laughs> like I almost shit my pants butthole that
0: was cramping?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I almost shit my pants on the last lap and yeah. I was also cramping like on the inside of my quads and um so I was like the last lap I was like almost gave it up but then Cancellara came flying by me with like a couple maybe like six more dudes and I just you know nutted it, it was like this is the Olympics like just man She's up accept the cramps um, nutted it to just sit on that made it back to the front group was sitting in the front group like completely bonked um, I, the way that the feeding system was they like made you made all the swan years um, fill up these special like Olympic bottles because you weren't allowed to have like branded bottles uh-huh. but the Olympic bottles like half the size of a normal bottle and they're not like they just weren't real bottles They were I, I don't know how to explain them but they were just Really terrible. So every time you try to grab them, they're like impossible to grab because they're so much smaller, so much yeah. shorter. So I probably had maybe two bottles over the course of six hours. Wow. And um, and you also. From the team car. Or? No, because I was in the front for the last half of the race, like the whole ever since 130k to go, I was in the front and. No,
0: have one team car. Then.
1: But. Well, and the gap was like a minute, oh, less than a minute, gosh, the whole entire gosh, time. Gosh. So. Um, then, then like I didn't get a musette on the one feed lap and there was only water in the bottles. So I maybe had like two gels, two bottles. And so I was just like running on sure. basically mental strength. Sure. <laughs> and um, so the, you know, it was still 40 K to go from the last lap um, on box Hill to the finish. And it was all flat. And um, so I was just sat in this group of 40 or whatever we were in the front, um, like almost last wheel, just like barely hanging on. TJ's like riding the front, and I'm just sat back there like, stop riding the front. (laughs) But we don't have radios, you know, Um, and I was just like out of it. And then the thing that perked me up was when Cancelar crashed because he crashed, and I went on the inside of the crash, and then all of a sudden I was like, in the top five ten of the group and I was like like Phil Gilbert's here, Vinukarov's here, they're like attacking and I'm like following moves and I'm like, wait, kinda of picking up and I sort of get like that sprinter instinct that my dad used to tell me about where you like start to smell the finish line and you like, oh wait, this is almost over, like I can do this. Yeah. So I just um picked up right after that crash and um was following moves, making attacks myself and uh just unfortunately um missed the right one. But it's on two guys though, it's not like you can yeah I mean, it's i like I'd like to say that it's a lottery at that point, but you know, Vanucrop definitely has the knack uh, of being able to do that. Um and then I just knew it was gonna come down to a sprint and I I figured I had a good shot but you know Kristoff was more of a pure sprinter than I was and I just distinctly remember sprinting being behind Kristoff knowing that I didn't have enough gas to come around him and thinking like holy shit I'm going to get 4th in the Olympics who the fuck gets 4th in the Olympics this sucks <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's never happened nobody's ever got
1: a <laughs> nah, I just cuz yeah. even when I was a kid I'd watch the Olympics and I'd be like man, whoever gets fourth, I think I thought about yeah. that all the time as a kid, yeah. like oh, that guy got fourth, that yeah. sucks Olympics so is like the
0: one place where like the bronze medalist like raises
1: their hand yeah. you know? no, I would have posted up hard by it if I wouldn't <laughs> have spent for sure posted up, but I was just like, I just had this like weird flashback to thinking like of me as a kid watching the Olympics, like there's some kid out there watching the Olympics right now, looking at me, being like, "You poor bastard. You poor idiot! How dare you get fourth? <laughs> How dare you!" And then leading into the time the trial, you leading into the time trial, I was like, "Shit! I'm gonna get fourth again." <laughs> so did you kind of like chalk guys that you knew were gonna be hard to beat, and you just kind of like you well, just yourself? Well, I mean, yourself? you just look at like Froome and. Wiggins' performance on the tour and how dominant they were in the time trials, and then having Tony there, and I figured Cancellara was pretty battered from his crash So I was like if I really think about this too much um, I'm probably gonna get fourth But at least it wasn't like I got fourth by, you know, four seconds or something in the time trial It's like 50 seconds. I was like 50 seconds behind Froome. They were definitely not different class but those longer time trials take a bit longer um
0: did you get i mean i guess it'd be your second olympics but this last one in london did you have like this they call it, like the olympic blues like you just had
1: like this post olympic like i
0: don't know or were you just uh, because you were like, not you can't
1: really react, you know. i uh i had the post olympic blues in 2008 like what i was talking about before when i was kind of came home and had to break up with my girlfriend and and you know the season was over, and I had no goals um, uh, and I wasn't sure if I was going to go to college or what I was going to do um, but this last year i didn't because I went I had the Olympic time trial It was like a huge relief i'd been preparing for it for a really long time, stressed about it. It was big relief to have it over with went out had a nice party um that Went to this lululemon party which was uh, pretty sweet got my dance on got super drunk and um and then like two days later i had to go to anico tour and uh so i was just back into the grind like back yeah. into the racing grind and from there came back to colorado did a tour of colorado and then immediately went to worlds um For
0: and- like, brilliant and a bitch like that. Like, yeah. success and failure, you can't dwell on too much because you're no. right
1: back at it. Yeah, you're only as good as the last race that you completed. It's just like you think, oh, People just you know,
0: I won the Olympics or so you got an Olympic medal, and your team's like, that's great. When yeah, did you go to the end of Yeah, in
1: two days. Like, no, I don't <laughs> I'm going to try to set it up so in Rio I can finish my season in August and just stay there.
0: Do you know, I idea if they to bring that individual pursuit
1: back for that, or... No, they were talking about it, but they're not, they're not going to do that. Which is fine, I mean... kind of over that part of it. Yeah, I had that sort of, like, breakup and over it, but, um, that was another shit thing about the 2008 Olympics, was I was like, oh, well, I'm going to have, like, my only consolation was, like, oh, I'll have, you know, three, four more shots of this, and for sure, four years from now, I'm going to just... I think it was better for
0: you though, because it like Destroy not be really focus on the road
1: 100% Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I wanted to make the transition regardless, I've always been a road rider, not so much a track rider But um, it was just kind of like, I don't want to say like the easy way, but definitely the simplest way to go for a gold medal in the Olympics yeah,
0: what was variables in a 4K
1: time trial? Yeah, there's little to no variables and all you have to do is just train for it and um, have the right equipment and then, so that was, that's why I love the individual pursuit and that's also why I like the time trial because it's just, it's just, if I do the really good work for it and I prepare for it, I know I'm going to be, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Whereas in a road race you have so many different tactics and variables that go on, you can be like twice as strong, well, not maybe not twice as strong. <laughs> But you could be a, like Cancelara, but even then, he very yeah, very much a lot stronger than everybody else. But um, then not win, and then that just sucks. <laughs> how
0: do uh, how do you
1: rate your season, this season? I was a little bit out of it. Um, it was alright. I had um, kind of had the giro thrown in in the middle that I didn't really want to do. That was you weren't expected to do the giro first. <clears throat> no, I was expected to do it. It was on the program, but it just didn't make sense Um, from, like, a season standpoint. I was just kind of do it, just to do it. Okay. And um, because I wasn't going to be on the tour team, and uh, the Vuelta is the way the Vuelta is nowadays. What's that? (laughs) Which makes it, well, you know, they have, like, 13 mountaintop finishes or whatever, and they're kind of going, like, super extreme with it. So
0: your best chance for, like, a grand tour success? So
1: my... Yeah, I mean, my best chance for a Grand Tour just finish was uh, the Giro. Um, But it just, it was just kind of put in there, put into the schedule. And um, it was really bad Giro weather-wise. And I got super sick uh, and had this um, really nasty uh, saddle sore issue that got um, infected. I was on, like, antibiotics for... 3 weeks. Go
0: to racing especially yeah.
1: before. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I was just um even when I so I, even when I had to drop out, I dropped out cuz I could not sit down. I cut my saddle, like I cut off half of my saddle so that I was like hanging off of one side so that I had no absolutely no pressure on this like the right side. I don't know to get too sure. in detail but on like the right side of my taint. And uh You know, just my back was, like, all twisted, and I could barely pedal, and I, you know, had a fever, and I was just, had this massive infection, was on, like, two different kind of antibiotics, just hating life, um, and, you know, maybe back in the old days, I would have been able to get through something like that, but, um, Uh, as a clean rider, it's difficult. (laughs) I don't know if there's
0: anything you can take take this away from... True that.
1: No, even, um... Even Sean Yates, I think, was leading the Vuelto, like, two days remaining one year and had to drop out because he had a similar situation. If you can't sit down, you just can't sit down and that you can't do anything about that.
0: It's weird to think that, like, you can't drop out and then everybody just knows you have, or you have to drop out and everybody's, like, why? It's like, oh, I have this growth on my under." <laughs> yeah
1: no it's hard yeah it's hard to uh,
0: like in most society that's like the deepest
1: darkest secret <laughs>
0: like you would never tell anybody this I've is like had,
1: public news I've had so many people look at my undercarriage yeah since May and yeah. touch my undercarriage oh my mom my team manager wow. my directors not all my directors sure some of special them special doctors I have this uh, physical therapist who is like getting rid of scar tissue in there during the month of, month of June, July. So, I thought, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty open good. with it now. So you can tell. When
0: I was a junior, moved we to Track Worlds, and uh, this was when nurse I like, used to travel with a doctor. They don't do it anymore. But I got this saddle sore, and it got pretty extreme, and I told the to the female, Yeah. and uh, I tell her about the saddle sore, yeah. Okay. Well, just come into my room in like ten minutes. I go into her room, and she's like, "All right, we'll just um, strip, strip down." I was like, "Okay." So <laughs> I strip down, and she's like, "All right, lay uh, on your back." Uh, all right, and then she just—I'm just laying on her bed with no pants on. And she just at me, and she goes, "Um, lift up the uh, the boys." <laughs> <laughs> So then, like, every, uh, so there's nothing she could do, and she's, so every day before we rode the track, she would, like, inject some painkiller into this, like, direct, she would inject, like, Novocaine directly into the saddle sore. Wow.
1: See, that's what they would have done back in the day, which she can't do anymore, no needle policy.
0: Oh, yeah. Because
1: my doctor gave me, like, all this anesthesia, like, this anesthesia gel. He's was like, I'll oh, just put, you know, like all of this tube into your, onto your taint. Oh, and I was so like, much. I don't think that's going to help. But I'll
0: no, try the, the injecting thing was, it was great because you couldn't fill your taint anymore. So you, but the bad thing was, is you just continue to ride right on it. Yeah, it So it just, it get just get worse, worse and, and worse. <laughs> and finally one day, it just like, it wore,
1: it wore off, like in the middle of everything. And I, oh, it was... Oh man. It's really one of the worst things that can happen as a bike rider. Like I've had knee problems, hip problems, ankle problems, everything, but when it's your ass when it's your
0: undercarriage. Friedman
1: showed me pictures of his various surgeries and things like that. He would take fucking I was not thankful. (laughs) 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 Document the process. No, I had um one of this uh one guy um, from ra- the Race Organization, this race organization doctor who um, didn't have me laying on my back, but had me laying on my side and then would, like, you know, did the glove and like snapped it. Oh, no. snapped it. Sure, and is you know like prodding around my butthole, and my mom <laughs> is just there watching, and that's great. There's a couple other Italian' Jim Okowitz, my team manager, they there just watching, and like, you know, it doesn't get much better than this. Must be so great to be a pro cyclist. At least you didn't lick it at first. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't have any glue. Hey, Do you want to spit on my finger? Holy <laughs> oh, shit. I might uh, have to edit
0: that. Um, <laughs> Alright, so you don't quite finish the Giro, and then...
1: Yeah, don't finish the Giro, and then... Um, yeah, basically, I couldn't ride my time trial bike until the end of July, I started riding it again, um, I had to alter my entire road position because it still was, you know, I still had some swelling and inflammation and scar tissue. Did but you come really, to
0: Colorado this time? Or did you just yeah,
1: and there? I came back to Colorado, um, and I was here for the month of June, half of July, and then I had to go back over and do some races. It's pretty nice to a month and a half back in the States, though in season Yeah, super nice, um, I was really happy for that. I wanted to stay in the U.S. and do like Utah and Colorado, but um, the team wanted me over to do Wallonie, Poland, Eneco, and then Worlds, um, so it was kind of like a rushed preparation for Worlds. The main goal was Worlds, the time trial. And um, I had a nice win in Poland, which was kind of a surprise. Um, That's a great yeah. One, yeah. yeah and, Something that was really cool, um, that I was really happy.
0: Was that just like an impromptu attack? You just kind
1: yeah, of, it was just kind of random. I mean, I thought about it. had
0: momentum coming They the-
1: were finishing circuits, um, and I thought like, if anyone was going to go, they would go right here, and I'd been feeling pretty good just like riding. At a, I've been doing lead-out stuff with with Vushov and just kind of taking him around, and you have to, you know, you, you sort of spend a lot of time at speed, like in the wind. Um, So I sort of felt really comfortable with the amount of power that I had at that moment in time. It was a long way out; it was eight and a half k to yeah. go. <laughs> but um,
0: what was your biggest lead at that point?
1: Um, I think like maybe twenty seconds ish. Yeah. Yeah. But um, no, I just uh, just kind of inst- had like a little instinct moment. I, if there was any scenario where it was going to happen, it was going to be me there uh, at that race because there was only six-man teams. There had been a big breakaway that went. It was 250K stage. I retire, yeah. So most of the sprinter's teams had been working all day. They um, had been using up you know, their guys. They only had six guys on each team. Um, I'd seen in the previous day that it, nobody was really that organized to, like, come together. Teams weren't really working well together. So I was like, if it's going to work, it's going to be me. And it's going to be here, um, right now, today. And that, I just went for it. And, um, and, uh, never looked back until right before the line. But it was, uh, I mean, I had Fabio Baldato in the radio in my ear, like, giving me split times and stuff, so... I didn't really need to look back but no, it was incredibly painful and I almost threw up at the end, but you know, that's cycling. You say
0: that's the highlight
1: of the year? Yeah, for sure that was the for sure that was the highlight of the year. I I had a nice Milan San Remo as well. Got seventh in Milan San Remo. Um and that was kind of yeah, so those between those two they were kind of like my two moments of brilliance. And then everything else was just uh, sort of like snowy weather and taint problems. And then uh, <laughs> and then Worlds sort of came and went and was not not very um, not not great. We, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to... Uh, what would you grade this season? What would you <clears and> throat> like throat> on a scale of 4 like to 10? Um, I mean, it's hard to grade a you know like a season long thing 8 month season sure. um i would say that i came into the season and i did a good winter and i was pretty strong and i had a nice tour of qatar um and i was really strong for the classics um but I just didn't really get to show myself very much, except for at milan San Remo. And then I got too excited in Paris-Roubaix, because it was pretty strong, and I just was, um, yeah, sort of overly excited and needed to chill out a bit.
0: What were you doing?
1: Well, I was, was just kind Arnberg of... Yeah, I could just kind of go wherever I wanted for the first, uh, 200k, and was, wasn't was worried about sitting in the wheels, and was went into the Arnberg forest, like, first wheel, um, and you know that I kind of did that in retrospect I did it like just to do it you know just to like have that experience because it is a huge it was a like huge rush big experience but not necessarily you know nobody who goes into the Arnberg force first wins Perry roubaix they usually go in like second or third or fourth somewhere around there so I just was a bit it's
0: like thinking bigger picture because yeah there's like this immense rush to be the first one into Arnberg yeah and
1: that's
0: that's something you always have but then yeah. you have to like get used to it to the point of like I don't really, I need to win it I don't need to be the
1: first the- yeah I mean it's kind of like when I think about my Beijing Olympic experience like it's good to knock it out and get it off, you know, put it put it there that I like was in the was the first one to go through the ironberg Forest first and have Should that experience And then, <laughs> <laughs> boom I did that um, but you know I got years ahead of me, and I'm pretty motivated for this winter, and just kind of excited to put the season behind me. I guess I'd give it a C, probably. C.
0: Wow, that's I would have. All right, You're a harsh
1: <laughs> critic. Yeah, well, I had I had pretty big expectations just after last year and getting second in the world's time trial, and um, you know fourth in the Olympics a couple times. I was trying to build on that, but um, you know. There are obviously other factors that 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 come into play that you don't always have control over, um like illness and injury and
0: when are you gonna start training again, like full
1: time? Uh, I'll start training again on Monday now, November wow. f- November fourth. See
0: it earlier and earlier every year? Or was it about
1: Well, I finished the season at Worlds. I was supposed to go to China but I got out of that and um <laughs> just finished the season, said, uh, please. September 29th. Well, basically we had two guys who like really wanted to go and yeah. I was kind of like, Hey, um, I'll go. Like I'm totally fine to go. I like tour Beijing. Um, but if there's people that really want to go, then send them because, um, you know, sure. kind of on my downward down swing and, um, you know, not like super focused on tour Beijing. So yeah. right, right. So, yeah. But, um, no, nah, I, I mean, yeah, C might sound harsh, but that's, like, satisfactory, like, I'm okay with it. I'm not super stoked with it, but I'm okay with it. How do you see,
0: like, where you're at right now versus where you were when you first got on the BMC? Or... So I remember doing, um, Florida California with you, like, two or three years ago. Remember, yeah. Like, your first year pro, and you were just, like... Remember you were just like, "What's?" I said we said something to each other, like, "What's going on, man?" And
1: you're like, "I just don't want to be here right now." <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely struggled the first half of my first year just with injuries, and um, you know, I grew um, an entire inch in my first as my first year pro. <laughs> so it's hard to grow an inch and um, be a professional cyclist um, and kind of. You know be like trying to diet and like sure. when you're still growing you're like so Constantly i um i was strug i struggled a lot that first year i kind of picked it up in the second half of the year had a nice Eneco tour won the prologue there and wore the jersey for a couple of days um but other than that really didn't do anything um and
0: Can you say that was like the first time in your career the second that you hit like adversity was it like because I, I always had this thing with you. It was like, this guy is <laughs> so good. Yeah. And when he hits adversity for the first time, that's going to be, like, the big fork.
1: Well, I also had this. I also had a... So, I finished the 2010 season as an under-23, like, on top of the world. You know, I won the world championships and won the U.S. National Elite Time Trial title. Yeah. Um you know, won like a bunch of races that year, Uh, was excited to turn pro, and right at the end of the season, found this really hot girl to date uh, who lived in California I
0: most of your problems come from girls
1: they they do, man (laughs) they really do, that's why I stay away from them now and I do better Um, but uh, yeah, so she lived in California I lived in Colorado, I was like just head over heels probably yeah. blonde yeah. maybe she had brown hair then i don't remember anyways really pretty um and we just uh i was just like desperate to try to make it work and um you know she had goals of her own and i was trying to kind of cater to those goals and sort of forgetting that i needed to be a professional cyclist and it, i get distracted when it comes to girls like i just sure Want to please them, and I want to like make things work, and I just really kind of dive into it. Um, you want to push things off. which I've learned. Do so like you
0: want to go out of training as much,
1: or yeah, like I I don't want to like you know I want to like make sure they're like entertained because I sort of feel bad most of the time because it's like they're like I would bring her to Boulder and then I would have to train and then she didn't really have friends here, so then I don't feel bad and she wouldn't like be going out trying to make friends or like trying to find a job. She would just be kind of like sitting here and then I would feel like I needed to entertain her after my bike ride. And you know, when you're like training really hard, you just ride and then you just want to lay on the couch and do nothing Your testosterone is really low. You like barely have sex. You're just not like the most exciting boyfriend. Sure. Um, So if you have somebody that doesn't really understand that, like understand like the, the up and down, up and downs of the lifestyle, then it can be pretty frustrating. And so I was just sort of catering to her more um, than than focusing on being a professional. And at the same time, I was having knee problems and I was getting depressed because I was having knee problems and I had all this pressure on me because, you know, it was my first year as a pro and I was kind of like thinking that I needed to, Everyone
0: to see, everybody want to see how far you could go your sure, first year yeah
1: I needed to come out and be like Peter Sagan and you know just win all these random races um, so definitely struggled that first half but kind of um, sort of uh, along with when I broke up with this girl or when she broke up with me uh, that's sort of when I started to pick up and was able to
0: was it the breakup alone, or was it
1: something else that you kept doing to gear to? Um, it I mean, it wasn't the breakup alone. It was like, I knew I had to get my shit together, but I was also finally injury-free, sort of coming into um, after Tour of California, um, when we probably talked. And um, it was then that I that I was after tour of California that we had broken up and then I started to lose kind of out of uh, heartbreak, like train a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It
0: uh, builds momentum too. Like when you start, when you're willing to start at the bottom and you see the progression, you want to get out and do more. Yeah. And,
1: and then I was able to build up through and, and have a nice Antico tour and, um, ended up getting fourth overall at Antico tour, which I look back now and I realized that that's quite impressive um considering how stressful and difficult that race is. It's also a world tour event. So um I learned a lot that year, just sort of how I need to handle relationships and for me it's been as a professional it's been incredibly difficult to balance um how selfish I need to be yeah. with um like my the rest of my life and the people yeah. around me because I'm You know, in a way, I am self-centered enough to be a very good athlete. But I don't really like that side of the sport, you know. I don't like like to be that way. Yeah,
0: when you like the process of putting things together. Like, okay, Okay. I do this training and this diet and talk to this coach and I do all these things. You like seeing the process of that build. But that requires...
1: It requires everything. It requires like,
0: oh yeah, well we're not going out tonight. We're probably not going out for a while.
1: Yeah, we're yeah. it's like, hey, can you make we're me gonna, lunch?
0: Hey, I have an idea,
1: but Why
0: don't I come home and we watch Reservoir
1: Dogs? Yeah. Again. <laughs> Again, we can cuddle, but I'm you really you tired. You pick the movie. You're I'm, not <laughs> I'm really tired. And I don't want to have sex. <laughs> Look, if you could just be asleep
0: by the time I come home. Yeah, basically...
1: <laughs> No, it's so it's been hard for me. It's the best way to deal with it now is just to not have those relationships in my life. So what I kinda
0: dated a girl with a heroin addiction because <laughs> she should constantly be sleeping, she never be in the house. I
1: don't know man, that'd be awkward when you sata showed up to test me and those needles everywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah, just you like, don't test her. No
1: man, it's my girlfriend.
0: You can't lend her money though at that point. You can't lend her, <laughs> her money because you're not getting it back.
1: No. Um, yeah, so it's just it's been uh, been an interesting process. I mean, I have, like, the the best friends that I have are the friends that I can leave the U.S. and just not speak to for yeah. three, four months, and then come go. back, and yeah. we're just the same. And uh, I've sort of tried to spark things with a couple of different girls down the line over the last couple years, but it's just, uh, it's like, they're like, well, I don't understand why we can't just be together. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go to Europe for at least four months, and there's a possibility that I'll be there for nine months. I really don't know. And I don't want to Skype you every (laughs) single day for nine months, um, having only known you for one month. You know, it's like... Yeah. So I just kind of do away with it, and uh, don't worry about it.
0: It's always funny when you tell somebody, I don't know when I'm going to be back. Yeah. Like, probably this
1: time but yeah it's just like shit can change like so quickly i mean i'm learning not to make plans with really anyone like all my i have a couple of my best friends who are always trying to go like on vacation trying to meet me here meet me there and it's like yeah i'll probably be there but there's a very large chance that i will be in dubai
0: just randomly I
1: don't want you guys pumping
0: a thousand dollars for a trip yeah.
1: and then me just to bail on you. And then, um, you know, so I end, up de- I end up disappointing a lot of people, or I, mean, I hate that. I hate disappointing people when it comes to plans and, you know, being there for them because it's just something I struggle with. Uh, it'll
0: be a time after
1: cycling. Yeah, I mean, what I explain to people is that when, once you start getting into the Tour de France schedule, You kind of start locking in, like, the classics program, coming back for California, then gearing up for the tour, then coming back to America for the American races, then going to Worlds. And you sort of have this thing where every year you know what you're doing. It's sort of more of an established, like, you have to be more of an established pro to be able to have that program. Like, not everybody can have that program, but I do have that Sort of possibility in the future if I work really hard, really, you know, in the right way, I have the ability to have a set program every single year. Yeah, and that's kind of my goal, um, because then that's how you start. Do you need that like an actual?
0: Are you that way, like in your your cycling life too? Do you like a as much of a regime is the right wrong word? Well,
1: I'm definitely a plan guy. Like I definitely go into a season and I'm like. I'm less of a guy who goes to a race and has like killer instinct in every stage kind of like Peter Sagan who's just like I'm here I can probably win today so I'm going to win today just like win, 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 win all the time I'm more of a person I look at a schedule and I see like what are the goals that are really important to me um, and what can I sort of commit everything to to arrive to this one goal and then back down again and then arrive to another so it's like the classics like Milan San Remo, Flanders Roubaix, come back down, um, and then like the Tour de France, come back down and then the worlds. And then, you know, I look in like an Olympic cycle and the Olympics are definitely the biggest thing I see in the next couple of years. So I'm more of a more of a guy who is um I like I like to plan things out really far in uh, advance um, and they're always for really big objectives that I know are sort of career defining wins because um, I'm not a guy who can just win all the time um, but I am somebody who can come to a, a very important event with a lot of pressure and be comfortable with that pressure for that one event and and then you do move the from there. For that one yeah, I don't, don't mind it.
0: So when you have, like, when you were training for the Olympics with Lim, you know, was that like three or four week, like, daily run almost, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was almost longer than that. It was just, um, because I only found out that I was on the Olympic team, like, in the middle of June. So I had, like, six weeks from there to prepare. And I didn't want to race myself into fitness because I'm not, um, you know, that's kind of an old school mentality. Sure. And I figured... I could do all the work I needed here and um, really fought hard with the team to get that approval to do that. Um, But I got it. And uh, people
0: helping you fight that or is that you alone?
1: Um, No, that was pretty much me. My dad would... It
0: takes a lot
1: of, like... Call sometimes.
0: It takes a lot of of guts, though, at that age to, like, stand up to... Yeah.
1: I've always kind of... um, Not been afraid to do that though. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe because, you know, like, maybe because I've just had kind of a uh, spoiled upbringing or whatever. (laughs) I'm not afraid to, like, well, you grew up, you like, your parents
0: are really. to contradict
1: people of power.
0: (laughs) Well, I think your parents are really well known psychos, so you probably don't feel intimidated by people who have done that in their own personal life.
1: No, I just, I, I, I know what's best for me, uh, most of the time. There are definitely times where, you know, I've been wrong, but when I'm, you know, hundred percent sure what is best for me and, and then what is sort of best for the team afterwards when it's something that I can achieve, uh, it's something that I fight for and I have no problem fighting for. And I think, um, you know, it drives my team management crazy. But they, at the same time, respect that in, uh, you know, because it's kind of a leadership quality to sure. challenge, um, you know, kind of other alpha.
0: Yeah. Who dogs. is it that you, like, would directly respond to? Like, who would be? The, like, so if you want to stay in Boulder, and I i have to change here for five weeks for the Olympics. Just more well,
1: initially you talk to your team director, you have, like, everybody had a team director or has a team director that you talk to, so I would talk to Max Shandri. Um I'm now with Fabio Baldato for next year, but I would talk to Max Shandry at least when I was trying to get this five-week thing, and then he would talk to Oach, uh, Jim Akowitz, and they would they would make the, uh, the call. Like, it pretty much always comes down to Oach, so then it... Came down to me um, fighting Oach on it, and uh, your dad just calls Oach. Yeah, and my dad would call Oach sometimes because they have a Never history. Like but um, no, I mean I definitely yeah. drive Jim crazy sometimes, but uh, and you know he drives me crazy sometimes. But I think that's how you work well together sure. uh, when you have two really strong um, kind of personalities and. And people who are, you know, kind of trying to take control of situations. Is there a lot of, like...
0: Because, I mean, BMC is a stacked team, you know. Like, they're... I don't know what the budget is compared to Sky, but they're up there, and...
1: Yeah, we're pretty much up there.
0: And you guys have, you know, Gilbert, better, Is it...
1: I'm pretty much the only one who, like, fights hard and kind of makes people angry is it because
0: you're young and American and they're...
1: I think so yeah. I, it is sort of an American quality uh, to be that way and hopefully I'm not getting in trouble talking about it but um, either way you know it's just part of me right, right. Uh, and I've never I've never been afraid to kind of ask for what I want when it comes to like a professional standpoint and people that I work with yeah um And I think that's pretty important. Like uh,
0: sometimes, because you know, Euros are so old school in some mentality and they don't like any chance, like like, this is a weird example, but if you go with your shoes, you know, you you help design these Giro Empire shoes, you show up with laces on your shoes, (laughs) it's something as simple as that and they're probably like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you racing with laces? Yeah,
1: well, and then it kind of turns into a sport of like, how can we freak out the Euros? Yes. How, how badly can we freak them out? And, um, I like that. I mean, I love challenging, you know, I think the sport is so old school and you see, you know, how Sky comes in and just sort of implements this new, uh, new school mentality and just clean up on all these, all these other old school riders just basically by doing simple scientific things um so there's ample opportunity for a writer like myself who is new school who does like to um you know try new things and is not afraid to go against the grain I yeah. see there's huge opportunity for me to be su- even more successful just by implementing a few different things and if that pisses people off you know that's fine because in the end I kind of it's what makes me more comfortable and what makes me um, more confident going into to races and, um, you know, having no, that a... back and forth with yeah. the team management, like I said, I think it's really helpful or healthy. Um,
0: it's exciting when you find a, an angle that you feel like nobody's
1: exploiting. When you find, like, a training or equipment angle, if you, like, if you generally yeah. think it's better. No, you just guys... think outside the box I and mean, the box yeah. of cycling is so small. It's really not that hard to think outside of it. It's weird for a sport with so much technology and to see how it's run by itself. old school. Yeah, thinking Belgians.
0: <laughs> Belogic. <laughs> did you ever? And did they still have one, the Belogic handbook? And I don't know. Years
1: I know, but I know Bellogic, Belgian logic. But somebody was keeping. I never. Um, somewhere in there's. It would be so long. That book would be a, a large book. Do you remember anything offhand?
0: The <laughs> logic.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're not supposed to shave your legs like did before a race because then while you're sleeping, the hairs like trying to pierce through the skin, so it's like your body has to work really hard sure. for your hair to like pierce through its skin. Yeah. Um, you know, just things with massage, like when you know, there's stupid fluff massage that they do, where they like barely touch your muscles. Oh, I hate that they're just slapping. Um, you know, like trying to get rice cakes and races and trying to trying to have like things that are not stroop waffles, like honey waffles in the food room to eat in the afternoon is like the, one of the biggest bites. Like give us nuts, something that's low and you know, very low in glycemic index so that we don't we're not just like powering through honey waffles. Yeah and yes. crashing on like 10 minutes right. later and then like powering through another one and then you know so there's a lot of uh, little things like that but we've on BMC we've done a lot to change that for sure we have a big um, sports science component coming into play next year with Bobby Julik and Alan Piper has been a huge um, changing factor for us Julik's good yeah. He's um, it
0: seems like he loves the, the he aspect of
1: loves it. number he's such a dork yeah he loves numbers and training peaks and everything so much, but you want that in a coach sure. and uh he really doesn't understand my humor because <laughs> I make fun of him all the time and like sure. pick on him and he he doesn't really understand if I'm like being serious and actually don't sure. like him or right. <laughs> if i'm joking There was this uh, uh
0: when he was racing I' uh, still i think. Pat McCarty and I were on Postal, and we're at Philly. He's on CSC. He walks into the elevator, and he says, uh, it was just—I must have been the way he delivered it, and I, I don't even remember which way he delivered it, but it was just so random. Here's Bobby Julek, he sees us, and he goes, hey guys what's new in the zoo and he said it like in a very like I'm trying to be funky like like, here I am here's my moment to like bond with younger guys what's new in the zoo and Pat McCarty and I without communicating it without telling each other we both just started laughing in his face and you could tell it was just like what the fuck like I was trying to you know and then Pat and I was like nothing man What's, what's up in the dump (laughs) <laughs> down in time. He just started rhyming until he got off the floor. I don't think he's really ever talked to me sense. I do. But, kinda, I do kind of wish like that he knew it like it wasn't an act of aggression.
1: Yeah, for sure. He has was, held that against you for a long time. Yeah.
0: Was, <laughs> no, that my
1: Creed is a dick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't what understand. In the zoos, no man, it wasn't an act of aggression. I just think that was a hilarious thing to say to <laughs> somebody you don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no he is like that kid in high school who's got the glasses who's like always carrying like four books and, but at the same time he's like really charismatic and energetic and like you know like, he like swears at like the wrong times you know and, yeah, like, right. at like the uncomfortable times
0: this is, we had a, a character on opt floor because we named it after a rider well, I won't say who the rider was <laughs> but this rider is that guy yeah, and we so call we're him just awkward robot. <laughs> <laughs> we just turn around and like awkward robot. And you, like any situation you input into him, he could just turn it awkward. Like in the chow line, and you're like, "Hey, what's up?" And he's just like,
1: "I can my glasses
0: <laughs> just all fogged up." And just like, I don't.
1: Just, like, the in-op- just the inopportune swearing is what, just, like, when it's just on, unc- like, I swear a lot, yeah, and yeah. I just feel like, you know, some people swear, and it's just kind of, like, you brush it off, and it's natural, it doesn't, like, stick to you. It sounds but like a feeling. Some people yeah. swear, and it, like, just kind of, like, sticks to you, and you're like, oh. <laughs> 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 What? <clears throat> really? <laughs> Uh, that guy's a real cunt. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah. Like, <"What?" laughs> yeah, just throw it out like real. I feel real. like I said the same
0: thing, but you, you <laughs> actually, you're <laughs> mean.
1: Yeah, uh, no, but he's a great guy and I'm I'm excited to work with him because he does have, bring a lot to the table. But um, Yeah, he seems he seems like he will. Oh, you do need this. I mean for sure like high school was a difficult time for him But <laughs> College was probably better And, and uh, for sure his professional life Has gone better as well
0: It's probably not hard to feel cool In cycling
1: <laughs> Yeah it's, like it's not hard at all I uh, Yeah Especially in US cycling Because US cyclists are like the kids That get pushed into lockers They're not like the cool kids
0: You think? I I see I always saw the opposite. Because whenever we really? started racing full time in the US
1: Cyclists.
0: Oh, cyclists. We're not racers or cyclists.
1: Well, racers. Racers.
0: Whenever so, you know, I haven't raced in Europe on a Europe team in four or five years. Just think that we're also So when I came to world tour team or when I came back and the world tour team could come here, I was I always looking at them just like you guys are fucking I, I. That's how my feeling was. Is like, <laughs> because, well, it didn't help that I was, like, on Kelly Benefits or Optum. Because, like, we don't yeah. wear team jackets down to dinner. We don't do True. these other things. And then...
1: I guess we don't have to wear those, like, Astana full jacket. kits that are, like, bright. This brings them good color.
0: Do you remember a tour of Colorado a couple years ago? How Kando and one of your guys kept getting into it for like two weeks. Do you yeah. remember? I was trying to remember what that was Mickey, about.
1: With Mickey. Mickey's like. Do you like remember
0: a what that was about? I couldn't Swiss remember. Um, All I remember is that they would find a way to fight. I don't know. Race. I think.
1: Mickey told him he had like a stupid face, or like made fun of him. Made he like made fun of his glasses, and then.
0: And oh no no no! That was me. He said something about him and Cadell said something about my glasses. And I started laughing at
1: him. Yeah. Um, no, something I remember about the glasses that. that you guys wear. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. Like. I don't like, know. Like, I fucking designed them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, you're gonna make fun of sponsor stuff. It's not gonna hurt my feelings. Yeah, I, um, You found the wrong thing to... See, that's that's what makes me think, like, that the Europros are high school
1: kids. Like, the dork high school like... yes yeah, they well, come out like, of high school and then they're, they're like, like... Yeah, you do your glasses, so... <laughs> and you're like... all. all, all but that's just thing. European people. I'm thinking, like, okay. U.S. I'm thinking, like, all in the U.S. Like... Okay. They're just... I think of all of my cycling friends, they wouldn't be like quarterbacks in high school. They'd be pretty cool in university and college, and they'd have like you know cool sure, sort sure. of eclectic girlfriends. But um, otherwise, no. The Euros are just European and weird, and then Australians are just a whole different level. Of
0: no, I remember. Awesome. I just remember him and Candle. I mean, I did get to remember one time about the glasses, but I think I laughed so hard an insult that like I couldn't
1: <laughs> I think you realize
0: I didn't
1: take him yeah, in any kind of serious manner I really um am not the kind of guy to like get in quarrels in the yeah. peloton I'm sort of like I like to think of myself as um if there were awards at the end of the year that I would be like most loved you know oh, most most, so friend- most friendly I just want to be because I don't like you yeah. know, I'm not. May, maybe when it comes down to it, and it's like important, and I need to like be somewhere, and some guy's being a dick, I'll call him out on it. But I'm not gonna like sit there and like comment on shirt, his yeah. appearance and be like, you yeah. know, your mom is a whore, or yeah, say something. Like I'm just like, you're being a dick. You're in my way, so just get out of my way, and we'll be fine later. Mm-hmm. Just as that's just the what, sport. Yeah,
0: that's why it was a bit funny to me. That's why it was always funny to me in, in Side Point when guys would like try to get personal like that. Because there's like, yeah. dude, there's like a climb coming up. we <laughs> like, yeah. there's a result sheet. I guess we're all gonna be weighed measured here in a second.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, like, I sort of go around the, like, it's weird the interactions that you have in the pack because you're sort of like a stand up comedian for the day to where like you're around you're going around and every time you pass somebody you have like maybe five seconds to like Just try to make them do laugh. A yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> like so you're like doing a lot. You're either like trying to make them laugh or complaining
0: sure.
1: about something. You're complaining about the weather or the course um, or your bike or you're like Making us making a small funny and then giggling sure. and then riding away because you don't have that much time to talk to people Yeah, but
0: then there's the time that like, guy like passes you and doesn't say anything You're like, well, <laughs> well, what the fuck? <laughs> Is this something I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> doing?
1: I just to say. stone-faced as he look over I just end up making a bunch of weird faces because I don't have the energy to think of things to say So I just pass people and like, you know, stick my seat up my ass and I'm like, yeah! and then that's it and then he was like alright we done
0: here I can keep the <laughs> <All right. laughs>
1: sick man so we're still friends nah it's a weird it's a fucking weird sport yeah
0: so what's the uh, off the top of your head what's the big goal for next year what do you is there anything you've singled out, or is it just a season of um, I'd
1: like to make the Tour de France team that's the main goal and then um, beyond that what do you think you have to do to make the Tour de France team I'll just be fit really fit enough.
0: I was like there's one or so you like you kind of raised your hand in the beginning of the year, so maybe they have like a long list of like twelve or thirteen. There's fourteen
1: riders on the long list. And I'm on the long list, so that's cool. Alright, I
0: said twelve or thirteen. That was pretty close. You don't have to I correct am. me so quickly.
1: I'm just giving you the facts, the <laughs> stats.
0: and so um, where do you think you're you're like weighed in measure of what events?
1: What? Oh, you mean like when do they sort of check in? Uh, It's sort of throughout the year, and it'll have it has a lot to do with Bobby and uh, the training that I'm doing and how I'm doing in training. It's sort of like um, just based on fitness. I think at the end of the day, you think next year weight, fitness, and weight, and then um, for sure it's a good course for me to help out um, and also potentially go for some individual success with a long time trial at the end yeah uh, but beyond that um the classics are the big school basically with the the worlds being in spain it's they're gonna do some crazy hard time trial course team time trial course road course so don't even know if i'll go to worlds next year um no. i might because i like to go to worlds and um you know american riders for a long time kind of just didn't go to worlds because i didn't think it was cool um like the previous generation, Um, but this generation likes to go to Worlds and is focused on Worlds and realizes the importance of it. Um, So I might go, but that's really far off. Uh, For me right now, it's kind of coming into the classics and just being like, at my fittest, at my lightest, and then, you know, getting the tactics down and not getting too excited. And, uh, you know, throwing that hammer down, (laughs) son. Well, good luck. Thanks, Doug. i okay.